We talk about transformation. We talk about this great change in the lives of the brothers. If you boil it all down to its core, what is it that really needs to change in a human life? What is the great work that God's Holy Spirit brings about in the transformation of a man or a woman's life? Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. And Colin, we can't leave these questions hanging in the air. What is it that really needs to change at the core? Well, we're in the story of Joseph and the great sins of the brothers were first that they had grieved the father by their actions and by their lies. And second, that they had hated the dearly loved son. And now that we come to the second part of the story, where there's this wonderful transformation that happens in the lives of the brothers, Joseph tests them. And the test is, will they still grieve the father? And will they still hate the dearly loved son or give up the dearly loved son, uh, his brother Benjamin? And the wonderful thing in this story is that a transformation has happened in the lives of these brothers. And the evidence of it is that they will no longer grieve the father and that they no longer hate the dearly loved son. Well, that's the change that we're looking for in human lives. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He brings us to that place and he does it by his power. And we see that in today's message in Genesis chapter 44. So join us, if you can, for our message, Tested and Transformed. Here's Pastor Colin. We are in the second part of the story of Joseph. Part one was about the loved and the favored son. Part two is about the transformation of the brothers. And we're following the story of how God, in his great kindness, brought a great change in these men in which they came to hate what they used to love and love what they used to hate. It is a remarkable transformation. It is a story of hope. And it tells us that God can change the hardest heart. He can turn around the most wayward of lives. And the great value of this story and the reason that we're following it on these weekends is that it actually tells us how God brings such a change about. And we've seen that it begins with an awakening of conscience and that God does this by breaking into a person's life, shaking up the rhythm, perhaps through some unexpected event, arousing memories of things that had been forgotten and and creating an awareness in the mind and in the heart that I stand guilty before Almighty God. And uh, we saw that at the same time, God pours in undeserved love, kindness, and favor. We saw this last time through the money uh, that had been paid for the corn in Egypt being returned to the brothers in their sacks. And then when they came to Egypt the second time, you remember they're brought into the governor's house. Why would the governor bring us into his house? They're welcomed, they're fed, they're shown this undeserved kindness and favor. And gradually through all of this, a change has been going on in the hearts of these brothers. Evidently from the fact that there had not been a single mention of God in their entire lives up to chapter 42 and verse 28, they become aware that that God is there and that we stand guilty before him and that we therefore have to focus our attention on where we stand in relation to him. Their early thoughts are that this God must be against them. What is God doing to us, they say? And it takes an Egyptian steward to come and to say to them, you don't seem to realize that your God is doing you amazing favor and amazing kindness. 
He seems to be for you. Don't you realize this? Well, these brothers are beginning to experience a a gradual transformation. And today what I want us to do is to look at the big picture of their story, which will uh, take us into chapter 44 that's been read, but it's also going to mean us looking back to the beginning of the story. That's the only way that you can see change if you look at it over the whole span. And uh, we're going to see the remarkable transformation that has taken place in the lives of these men. Now, I want to try and open this up today with two very simple uh, questions. And the first is, what needs to change? Uh, We talk about transformation. We talk about this great change in the lives of the brothers. If you boil it all down to its core, what is it that really needs to change in a human life? What is the great work that God's Holy Spirit brings about in the transformation of a man or a woman's life? And it's really two things. The first is, the first thing that needs to change relates to grieving the father, grieving the father. Now think back with me over the story. When these brothers sold Joseph back in chapter 37 as a slave into Egypt, you remember they covered their tracks by lying to their father. They dipped Joseph's multicolored coat in the blood of a killed animal And they brought it to Jacob, and Jacob said back in chapter 37, a fierce animal has devoured him. Uh, Joseph is without doubt torn to pieces. Joseph, you remember, was the son of Rachel, the great love of Jacob's life. And so when the brothers communicated to Jacob that his dearly loved son Joseph was dead, uh, they were plunging a dagger, as it were, into the heart of the old man. Back in chapter 37 and verse 35, we read, all his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him. Isn't that an irony, by the way? The sons tell a lie that the dearly loved son is dead, and having inflicted this sorrow, they rise up to try and comfort him. I mean, extraordinary. But it says, he refused to be comforted And he said, no, I shall go down to Sheol, down to the grave, down to my death, to my son, mourning. I'm never going to get over this sorrow. And the sorrow was a lie. And this is how it was for more than 20 years. Every day, these brothers go out working for their father. Every day, they perpetuate a lie to their father that causes him unimaginable grief and sorrow that he lives with day after day after day after day. Picture the old man sitting in front of the farm, and he's on his rocking chair, and there's a deep sadness over him, and his eyes are far away, and he's looking out over the field, sort of out into the distance, and his heart is broken, and Joseph is no more. The light has gone out of his life. The brothers have been out working in the field, and they come back towards the home, and there they see the old man sitting in his chair, the sadness in his eyes, and they know exactly why there is this forlorn sadness and hopelessness in his eyes. And never once, never once in 20 years 
Did one of the brothers say, what if we tell the old man that his son might still be alive after all? What if we just confess that we lied to him? What if we put the old man out of his agony, uh, imagining as he is his own dearly loved son being torn to pieces by a wild animal? He's replaying that in his head every day as he sits in that chair. Why don't we relieve him of that sorrow? Because it was all induced by a lie that we told. No. Confession would be too hard, way too costly for the brothers. Imagine where we would be if the truth came out. Better to sustain the lie. Better to leave the old man in his sorrow than risk what might happen to us if we told the truth. So day follows day and week follows week and month follows month and year follows year for more than 20 years of lies and pretense every day to the grieving of the father's heart. What needs to change? Grieving the Father. You've been listening to Pastor Colin Smith and Open the Bible and the message Tested and Transformed. We've been looking at what needed to change in the lives of Joseph's brothers. We've seen how they were grieving the Father and that needed to change. When we come back, we'll see how they needed to stop hating the dearly loved son. So stay with us if you can. And if you ever miss any of our broadcasts, you can always catch up or go back and listen again on the website, openthebible.org.uk. There you can download any of the messages as MP3 files completely free, or you can stream them directly from the website. Let's go back to the message now. Here's Pastor Colin. Second, what needs to change if a human life is to be transformed? What is the great work of God's Holy Spirit to turn a rebellious heart around? First, it relates to grieving the Father. Second, it relates to hating the dearly loved Son. Now again, we're back in Genesis in chapter 37 because we've got to see where the whole story started in order to understand the great change that God brings about in these men. But at the beginning of the story, chapter 37, we're told that the brothers hated Joseph. That's the word, and it's a very strong word, and it's used multiple times. And they hated Joseph because he was the loved and favored son. That was the thing that they couldn't stand about him. If it wasn't for that, they might have got on with him well. But he was the loved and favored son. Genesis 37 and verse 4, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him. And they could not speak peacefully to him. So think about that, you know. If the brothers are in the same room as Joseph, there's this angst, there's this visceral antagonism towards him. You know there's going to be an argument. They can't have a civilized conversation with their own brother. They just, uh, they're so intense in their, in their despising and their hatred towards him. And that was because he was the dearly loved son. And then you remember from chapter 37 that something happened that made matters even worse. God gave Joseph a dream, and it was a prophecy that one day the brothers would all bow down to the dearly loved son who would be exalted to the highest place. Joseph had not asked for this dream. It was given to him, given to him by God. 
And it was given with the purpose that he should tell the brothers so that when this came to pass, as it did afterwards, they would know that it was God who had brought it about. And so Joseph told them the dream, chapter 37 and verse 7. Behold, here he's describing the dream. We were binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and stood upright, and behold, your sheaves gathered around it and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brothers said to him, Are you indeed to reign over us? Or are you indeed to rule over us? So they hated him even more. You see that? Hated him already because he was the dearly loved son. But when you now say the dearly loved son's going to rule over us, that made them hate him even more, the Bible says, for his dreams and for his words. So when Joseph comes on a long journey to go and find his brothers in Dothan, it's not surprising to us with that background that they conspired together to kill him. Indeed, Judah says we can do better than that. We can get money for him. We can sell him for uh, 20 uh, pieces of silver, and uh, then we get rid of him as well. He uh, will be sold as a slave to Egypt, and the Ishmaelites come along, and the deed is done. Now, that's the story. That's the story of the ten brothers grieving the father and hating the son. Now, I think that that speaks very powerfully uh, to us today. It, it raises this question, are you grieving the father? Are you grieving the father? The Apostle John wrote to a community of Christians these words, if we say we have fellowship with him, fellowship with the Father, while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. And that's exactly what the brothers were doing, isn't it? They're professing to love the Father. Oh, yes, and we work for the Father. Oh, yes, we're doing the Father's work. We're good people. But they were actually walking in darkness. They were living a lie. They were maintaining a pretense. There was a secret sin that caused grief to the heart of the father. And what about hating the dearly loved son? See, this world has no place whatsoever for a dearly loved, highly favored Son of God, who says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. The world's got no place for that. That's always going to produce from the world a visceral hatred because it says, well, that would mean that, that you're placed above us. And a dearly loved son who is exalted at the right hand of the Father and lays claim to every life, that produces a visceral response. We will not have this man to reign over us. The agenda of God, according to Ephesians in chapter 1, is to unite all things together through Christ. The agenda of the world is to unite all things together without Christ. And these two things always clash. Hatred because he is the dearly loved son and hatred because he is exalted over us. And we want to be exalted ourselves. Jesus says to his disciples, if the world hates you, 
keep in mind that it hated me first. So what needs to change in these brothers is very, very clear, and its application to our world today is very, very obvious. Grieving the father with lies and with pretense, hating the son because we do not like his exclusive claims and we do not want him to rule over us. Now, when you see that, it becomes very clear as to what the transformation is all about. What is repentance? What is the transformation that is brought about in a human life by the Holy Spirit? You can boil it down to this. It is to stop grieving the Father and to start loving the Son. That's what a transformation in a human life is like. That's what it is at its root. That's the work of the Holy Spirit, that he would bring you to stop grieving the Father and start loving the Son. So that's the first question, what needs to change? And I think it's very, very clear from this story. Second question is, as we look at the story of these brothers, has this change actually happened? And that's where we come to the passage that was read for us today in chapter 44. We've seen what needs to change in them. Now we're asking the question, has that change actually happened? And so chapter 44 tells us the story of how after more than 20 years, these brothers now show up in Egypt. And Joseph has indeed been exalted to the highest place. The dearly loved son is exalted and power has been given to him. And Joseph needs to know if these brothers have changed. And as you read through the story, it really does address these two questions. Will the brothers still grieve the father? And do the brothers still hate the dearly loved son? Joseph needs to know that. He wants to know, has there been a change or are these men still exactly the same? And so he devises a test that will show, give evidence, if these brothers have changed or if they have not. And the test centers around the youngest brother, whose name is Benjamin. And we saw last week the significance of Benjamin, that like Joseph, he was born to Jacob through Rachel, the great love of his life. So Benjamin also had this experience of being the dearly loved son. Jacob loved Benjamin as he loved Joseph. And remember, the brothers hated Joseph because he was so greatly loved by the father. Well, would they also hate Benjamin? That's the question. They had sold out on Joseph because they hated the dearly loved son. Would they sell out on Benjamin because he also was a dearly loved son of the father? Would they bring even greater grief to the father in order to save their own skins? Or had there been some change? Now, the test that Joseph devises really comes in two parts, a smaller one and a much more significant one. The smaller one is right at the end of chapter 43, um, where the brothers are brought the banquet in Joseph's house. And uh, I wonder if you noticed this when it was read last week. The last verse of 43. Portions were taken to them from Joseph's table But Benjamin's portion was five times as much 
as any of theirs. Put a bunch of brothers together and give one five times as much on his plate as all the rest. What kind of reaction do you think you're going to get? You see what's happening here. Joseph is watching very, very carefully. What's going to happen? Are they going to start muttering and complaining? Are they going to immediately start up on, why does Benjamin get more than us? He always seems to be the favorite. Why is he so favored? Is that antagonism going to come out? Is is what was so visceral within them going to be evident even around the table? Why is this person blessed more than me? But nothing like that happened. So, so far, so good. Then, chapter 44, the brothers leave and Joseph has the steward place his own silver cup inside the sack that belonged to Benjamin. And shortly after the brothers have left uh, Joseph's home and left the city, Joseph's men go out after the brothers in order to confront them. In verse 4 of chapter 44, they say, Why have you repaid evil for good? And they accuse the brothers of taking the silver cup that belonged to Joseph. Well, of course, the brothers are very confident that they have done nothing wrong. Verse 8, how could we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? Whichever of your servants is found with it shall die, and we also will be my Lord's servant. I mean, that's a statement of huge confidence. There's no way in the world that any of us has taken the silver cup. Well, one by one, they take their sacks down, and the sacks are opened. Try and imagine the scene as Joseph's men make the inspection. There's nothing in Reuben's sack. He was the oldest. Nothing in Simeon's. Nothing in Levi's. Nothing in Judah's. The brothers are standing there going, See? Told you? Told you? Then, verse 12, they come to Benjamin's sack. And when the sack of the youngest brother is opened, there's a glint of the sun reflecting on silver. And all the brothers are astonished, and they are dismayed. Now, friends, this moment is the turning point of the story. So, do you see that when the cup was found in Benjamin's sack, the brothers were put right back in the same position as they had been standing over the pit with Joseph more than 20 years before. And the two questions in front of them were exactly the same. Would they grieve the heart of the Father? And would they give up the dearly loved Son? You've been listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and the message Tested and Transformed, the latest in our series, Snapshots of a Godly Life, about Joseph and his brothers. In our next broadcast, we'll hear the second part of the message, Tested and Transformed, about how we can know that the change has really taken place. You can hear that message on this channel or on our website, openthebible.org.uk. Open the Bible is a listener-supported production, and this month, if you are able to commit to a regular monthly donation of £5 or more, we'd like to send you as a thank-you gift a copy of J.C. Ryle's book, Holiness. Also on our website, and new every day, are our daily devotionals, 
short two to three minute reflections by Pastor Colin Smith, read by Sue McLeish. For many years, I've benefited from reading Colin Smith's daily devotionals, which are available on the website. I've always found them compelling and relevant. As a retired drama teacher and a person who loves God's Word, I just feel very privileged to be the voice for these readings. If you've yet to try Pastor Colin Smith's short daily devotionals, go to openthebible.org.uk. Click on the menu item Resources and then Open the Bible Daily. For Pastor Colin and for Open the Bible, I'm David Pick and I hope you can join us again next time. Open the Bible is a listener-supported production. Do you want to experience more of the love of God? Find out how next time on Open the Bible.